Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Okay, so we're reading. I I, I kind of uh, made a little mistake with the uh, homework. I didn't send out the uh, homework for the rest of chapter two, but we will cover it today. Chapter the end, the end, last part of chapter two, and see how far we get into chapter three uh, today. But we've been hearing about uh, Jamila's lamentation and how lamentation comes into the heart of a good soul when uh, they realize that they've done something wrong. More lamentation and, and uh, expressions of regret. And so that's what we are up to now. We're on verse 29. And Ajamila says, Oh, and let me just say, Oh, my jnana timurandasya, jnanam janashalakaya, shakshuru nilitam yena, tazmai shri gurave namaha. Shri Chaitanya Manobishnam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Panchakalpa Turubhya Shakripa Sindhubhyeva Chapatitanam Pahavanebhyo Vaishnavibhyo Naman Maha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasadi Gaur Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare And I assume everyone can hear me okay. Yeah? So Ajamila continues, and he says, It is now clear that as a consequence of such activities, meaning the wrong activities he did previously, a sinful person like me must be thrown into hellish conditions meant for those who have broken religious principles and must there suffer extreme miseries. But was this a dream I saw, or was it reality? I saw fearsome men with ropes in their hands coming to arrest me and drag me away. Where have they gone? And where have those four liberated and very beautiful persons gone who released me from arrest and saved me from being dragged down to the hellish regions? I am certainly most abominable and unfortunate to have merged in an ocean of sinful activities, but nevertheless, because of my previous spiritual activities, I could see those four exalted personalities who came to rescue me. Now I feel extremely happy because of their visits. And in the purport, Prabhupada writes that this association, meaning the association of devotees, saves the devotee from the greatest fear. And in our Krishna conscious movement, we therefore change a devotee's name to a form that reminds him of Vishnu. If at the time of death, the devotee can remember his own name, so he calls out his own name, such as Krishna Das or Govinda Das, he can be saved from the greatest danger. Therefore, the change of names at the time of initiation is essential. The Krishna conscious movement is so meticulous that it gives one a good opportunity to remember Krishna somehow or other. So we have, you know, Shakshi Gopal Das. So if he remembers his name at the time of death, he will go back to Ganev or <coughs> Raghunandan Prabhu or Ananta Rupa Devi <coughs> or Jiva Tattva Das. You know, we remember these names 
and they help us to uh, enter the spiritual world if we remember them at the time of death. So Prabhupada says that he changes names uh, at the time of initiation for that reason. I guess it becomes a little trickier if uh, ISKCON children who already have a spiritual name uh, get initiated. And then, you know, what uh, is there a need to change their names? I know, I think uh, Gauravani Prabhu just became Gauravani Das, <laughs> you know, at the time of initiation. And uh, my, my son is thinking of getting initiated soon, so we'll see if his spiritual master changes his name or not. Right. Um, but, uh, but the point is that we get, you know, names that help us remember Krishna. So it's a, uh, Prabhupada says that it's so meticulous that that, that's part of being meticulous that the change of name helps everyone, you know, if worse comes to worse, we can do the Ajamila program by remembering Narayana or whatever our spiritual name is at the time of death. <laughs> so some thoughts on this? Prabhupada's name stayed the same. He was Abhay Charan and became Abhay Charan Aravind. Yeah, so he did change it a little. Abhay Charanaravinda. Yes, right. Prabhupada changed it a little bit. So uh, when my wife got reinitiated, her name was Ananda Vrindavan, so Radha Swami changed to Ananda Vrindavanishwari. Yes. So again, looking from the scripture's perspective, in the tradition, the first name that parents give us is for their benefit. Uh-huh. And then the spiritual master gives us, you know, that's called second birth, is for our benefit. That has also been elaborated. So when parents, they name their children, looking, sometimes I wonder it is because of Ajamil's story or not. Like we named our son Govin, we'll call him with love, <clears throat> you know, and similarly we will chant the holy uh-huh. name in the process, like you yeah. have. Gopinath, right? So every time you call him, we call him with love, with affection. So automatically that mood, Lord is <laughs> Janadana. So he keeps that bhav that he's calling me with love. He's calling me with affection. He's calling, you know, with so much, uh, you know, calling me with that deal, <laughs> that mood. Offenseless chanting automatically happens. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Very good. Thank you. Okay, so should we continue? In text 33, Ajamila continues, Were it not for my past devotional service, how could I, a most unclean keeper of a prostitute, have gotten an opportunity to chant the holy name of Vaikuntha Pati when I was just ready to die? Certainly, it could not have been possible. Ajamila continued, I am a shameless cheater who has killed his brahminical culture. Indeed, I am sin personified. Where am I in comparison to the all-auspicious chanting of the holy name of Lord Narayana? Prabhupada writes in the purport. Those engaged in broadcasting the holy name of Narayana, Krishna, through the Krishna consciousness movement, should always consider what our position was before we came and what it is now. We had fallen into abominable lives as meat-eaters, drunkards, and women hunters who performed all kinds of sinful activities. But now we have been given the opportunity to chant the Hare Krishna mantra. Therefore, we should always appreciate this opportunity. 
By the grace of the Lord, we are opening many branches, and we should use this good fortune to chant the holy name of the Lord and serve the Supreme Personality of God directly. We must be conscious of the difference between our present and past conditions and should always be very careful not to fall from the most exalted life. So when somebody from who's not uh, a devotee sees how much appreciation one has for, uh, let's say in, in our case for Srila Prabhupada, it's it's kind of, ba- it, well, partially, it's based on what's mentioned here. Now, you know, if somebody grew up in the Vedic culture and then they took initiation um, or even grew up in a devotional culture, of course, because they have the culture, they would have great appreciation for their spiritual master. But here we see that uh, at least many of us, maybe not everyone on this call or listening to this uh, kata was in the same category of, abominableness, if there's such a word, <laughs> as Srila Prabhupada is pointing out here. But especially for those of us who were in such condition, it's 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 even, you know, more special in, in the sense that um, for us, we, you know, we learned how to, how to just do, you know, normal things, how to dress, how to eat, pro- you know, the proper food to eat and you know, things that most people just take for granted. Um, we learned that it had to do all so many even, even standard things in, in a, in a devotional way, or at least in a way that's connected with devotional service. So it's, we should be conscious of the difference between our present position and past conditions and should be very careful not to fall from the most exalted life. So how, how often do we remember that, that we're living the most exalted life, not by any greatness on our part, but by the kindness of spiritual master and Krishna. So a powerful purport here. Some thoughts or comments on it? Hare Krishna. Yes. So, Prabhuji, I was, when I read the line that uh, we should feel grateful for the opportunity to chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Mm. And whatever past we have had at the present, now we should be careful not to fall from this exalted life of taking the, the good fortune of chanting the holy names. I was thinking, like, what are the different ways in my day-to-day life? Do I, how do I express this gratitude? I mean, other than saying that I am grateful, I mean, in my actions, how do I do that? And immediately I started to list within my mind, like, you know, how I serve and not just serve, in what mood I am serving. We constantly read about, you know, humility, the mood of humility. And then eagerness should be there. And then we should also try to distribute the holy names to others. We should try to share this beautiful knowledge with others who who are ready to receive it. Um, We should share prasadam, you know, all nine processes of devotional service, whatever suits uh, suits us initially we should try to engage so basically in a nutshell you know we have so many options Krishna has given us nice thank you Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna other thoughts Andy you want to say something uh, you're still muted yeah okay there we go I unmuted my audio there you go it was a little bit 
different experience for me coming right. to Hare, Hare Krishna. Because sure. I didn't feel like I, it was coming out of abomin- abominability. <laughs> you made a, I made up a word. You made up a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it's just like I had uh, in the 1980s, I had to sing overcome me, and I just wanted to become vegetarian. Uh-huh. My family was never vegetarian. I hadn't heard any teaching or anything. It just came up from within me. Interesting. And I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah, and then it wasn't until like 20 years later, I found in the in the 20 you know 2000s that I really found out about Harry Krishna. But then it, so that was like I think a long term invitation, right? Not because mm-hmm. I was abominable, but invitation to my good. Yeah, whatever goodness I had. Sure. I have a lot of abominability too, but that's how I came to it. <laughs> well, now that you made up a new word, we can all see if we have abominabilities. But, uh, but yes. Um, and even let's say we were total, let's say we were Naishtika Brahmacharis, we were celibate our whole lives, and we, we uh, uh, were totally, you know, pukka vegans or vegetarians, and we never drank. Uh, we never, you know, uh, bet on the horses or whatever. Still, a, a person can be feeling great indebtedness uh, for learning the path of bhakti. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, one time Prabhupada was asked, how can we repay our debt to you? And he said, actually, the disciple thinks that he cannot repay the debt to the spiritual master. Therefore, he should always remain indebted. That was the words that he used, or, or a basic paraphrase of, of the words. So thank you for that, Andy. Yes, and we all do come with different uh, different things. Some of us may have been born, for example, maybe even on this call in a Sri Vaishnava family um, like that and, and been practicing more principles or even having some familiarity with bhakti. That, that's uh, also possible due to our Purva uh, our previous pious activities, things like. But even Prabhupada, whose whose father was a pure Vaishnava, um, Prabhupada also always felt the great indebtedness to Shula Bhakti Sunatha Saraswati Thakur. Yeah. Other thoughts on this uh, important point? Uh, I was remembering uh, one time a disciple asked Prabhupada to please give me your mercy. And Srila Prabhupada said that um, my mercy is that I have given you my instructions. Now you have to follow them. So yes. kind of what is mentioned in the purport that we have already received the mercy. Now, um, in order to take effect, we should follow the instructions. Yeah. And yeah. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> One time, I think I told this to you, Srila Prabhupada was on a train in India. And... You know, people are people are always wanting to, in India, especially going up to a sadhu and gifting what they call ashirvad. Is that did I pronounce that right? Blessings. Yes, is that right? I got it. Okay. Um, and so Prabhupada was in uh, one of in the train with a couple of his brahmachari disciples, shaved heads, saffron cloth, and some you know businessmen uh, came up to him and said, oh, you know, the standard Swamiji. Please give us your blessings. And Prabhupada pointed at the shaved head, saffron cloth brahmacharis and said, this is my blessing. Do you want that blessing? <laughs> you know, uh, I can't even imagine because Prabhupada is such a compassionate person. But if I 
were, and it's not, uh, you know, but if I were like a sannyasi living in India, I'd probably get really, really sick very quickly if people asked me for my blessings. <laughs> yeah. But in this case, it wouldn't matter because I wouldn't have, have anything that's worthwhile. But, uh, yeah. Okay, shall we sally forth? Continue. Text 36, uh, oh no, 35. I am such a sinful person. But since I have now gotten this opportunity, I must completely control my mind, life, and senses, and always engage in devotional service so that I may not fall again into the deep darkness uh, and ignorance of material life. And Prabhupada writes that every one of us should have this determination. Um, so you can imagine, we, you know, we, we're reading this, and we're trying to enter into the pastime, but by our actions, we're probably not doing this, completely controlling our mind, life, and senses. Whereas, you know, Aj Ajamila, he had this direct realization, right? I mean, he, he literally saw the Yama Dudas and then the Vishnu Dudas, and so it was so real to him, so real to him. So one of our challenges is to make it as real or similarly real to us, despite not having the the shaksha, the 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 direct uh, experience that Ajamila had, but experiencing it through hearing, which is really what we're meant to do by studying the Bhagavatam. But you know, so he, so for him, it was such so clear as day and. Therefore, I have to completely control my mind. My senses always engage in devotional service, nothing else. Right? And we may not be there yet because we, uh, although we should try to um, either put ourselves in Ajamila's shoes or at least listen to the pastime with rapt attention so we can try, so we can do our best to enter into it and, and at least get some glimpse of the kind of realization that Ajamila had, you know, because he was so, you know, he said, I'm so sinful. I've gotten this great opportunity. I don't want to fall back again. And let's, let's read the next one. Because of identifying oneself with the body, one is subjected to desires for sense gratification. And thus, one engages in many different types of pious and impious actions. This is what constitutes material bondage. Now I shall disentangle myself from my material bondage, <coughs> which has been caused by the Supreme Personality of Godhead's illusory energy in the form of a woman. Being a most fallen soul, I was victimized by the illusory energy and had become a da like a dancing dog uh, led around by a woman's hand. Now I shall give up all lusty desires and free myself from this illusion. I shall become a merciful, well-wishing friend to all living entities and always absorb myself in Krishna consciousness. And Prabhupada writes, this should be the standard of determination for all Krishna conscious devotees. A Krishna conscious person should free himself from the clutches of Maya and he should also be compassionate to all others suffering in those clutches. And the last two sentences of the purport. Everyone is like a play toy. 
in the hands of the illusory energy and is acting as she moves him. One should come to Krishna consciousness to release oneself and also to release others. So there's this balance here um, of freeing ourselves from Maya and then helping other people. It's a, it's a very nicely put several times in this purport. So we want, so this verse is talking of these verses 34 and 35 talking about having determination, uh, talking about having appreciation, talking about having gratitude, um, and also about always hearing about Krishna. So this determination um, based on our gratitude and our appreciation, which often comes by regularly hearing about Krishna. Mm. Jacques Cousteau, maybe some of you remember who he was, he said that when one man, for whatever reason, has the opportunity to lead an extraordinary life, he has no right to keep it to himself. So that's a real quote for someone who, you know, you, you, we get to lead this extraordinary life and we should find ways to inform others of the opportunity. So some uh, thoughts on the last two verses that we read. No? Uh, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Oh yes, Raghunanda Prabhu. Uh, especially that sentence, like everyone is like a plata in the hands of illusory energy, reminded me of Jaladuta prayers by Srila Prabhupada. So like, uh, I'm just a puppet, make me dance, make me dance as you wish. And he's like wanting to be an instrument or a toy in the hands of the Supreme Lord rather than the material energy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, so we're all toys. It's just a question of who the master is. Huh? Yeah. <clears throat> who, who's pulling the strings? That's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. We, we're Prakriti and we're going to be controlled. But who's the Purusha? Is it Krishna or is it Maya? Yeah. Uh, Suganda writes something in the chat here. I heard that first class person learns by hearing, second class learns by seeing others, third class person by experience. Yes, that is uh, Prabhupada. Exactly. That's, uh, that's what he said. Um, in other words, it was in a certain context. It was in the, actually, it was a similar context to what we're talking about. That. Um, uh, <clears throat> that why should you have to experience Maya, you know, kicking you all the time? Why not hear about how she acts and, or like in this case, hear the uh, Ajamila pastime and just immediately take shelter of Krishna with complete determination? Um, and then by seeing others. Now, this is, this is true. And I'm going to use the word and, not but. And there is something very much to be said about experiential learning. Um, I'll give you an example. I was giving a talk last week to um, about 30 or so, maybe 35 of the leaders in ISKCON India. And I was talking about the power of listening. Okay. So I was talking about the power of listening, talking about the power of listening, and they were going, ha, ha, yes, yes, okay. Then I put them into groups of two. 
And I said, um, you know, because you can do that on Zoom quite easily, right? Put them into breakout groups. And I said, uh, tell, you know, uh, person A, tell person B, devotee A, tell devotee B, a time when you really felt Krishna's reciprocation, Krishna's mercy. And devotee B, do not say anything. You can't interrupt him. Just listen. And at the end, summarize what you heard. And then switch roles and you know, like that. Um, so they all said how what a powerful exercise it was. And it was one thing to hear about how powerful listening is, but it's another thing to experience it. So we also so so Suganda, you're you're pointing out a, a a great truism in the in the right time, place, and circumstance. We also know from Bhagavad Gita, for example, chapter two, verse Fifty-nine. Um, what's the next line? Yes. So in that verse, it's it's kind of saying how important experiencing is, isn't it? Because it's saying you can understand theoretically that you should keep your senses from the sense objects, or you can even do that. But when you experience a higher taste, when you experience, when you actually experience using that word because, you know, you, you say here learns by experiencing. When you experience the higher taste, then it's easy to give up what might have ordinarily been theoretical. So both are there. But but Prabhupada did say this, and the context is that, uh, is what I said, basically, that, uh, um, you know, what, what you don't have to go out and experience all the illusions of the world. Uh, but you can just hear that the world is illusory and accept it. <laughs> like that. So is that okay, Sudanda, to put it in that context? Yes, yes yeah. thank you so much. Okay. Sure. Other thoughts? Also, it, Krishna talks about jnanam and vijnanam in Bhagavad Gita. Ah, yes, yes, that's right. Yes. And I don't know the Sanskrit, but uh, in education, in Vedic education, there's the, there's three words. Um very similar to what Sudana put, that experiencing it is, is very important. Or as George Harrison wrote in the Krishna book introduction, that um, you don't, you don't <coughs> lick the outside of the bottle of honey. You have to actually open the jar and taste it. So I find, it, you know, if, if we're doing trainings or, or teaching devotees about uh, Krishna consciousness, it's it's a good idea to keep this in mind that we want to talk about the 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 knowledge the Krishna conscious knowledge and also have them experience it. Now the cool thing is that in Krishna consciousness, let's say what we're doing now, hearing is experiential. It, it the hearing about Krishna is bhakti. It's not that we hear about bhakti and then we go off and perform it, right? We actually are doing devotional service by hearing about Krishna. So, uh, you know, the, so, or we could say in some places that it's understood that the, the sadhana and the sadhya are the same. The process and the goal. The goal is to be absorbed in bhakti and the process is to perform bhakti. Thank you, Raghunandapu, for that. Anything else? 
Suganda wrote. These are the Sanskrit words: Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhasan, Sakshatkaram. Okay, let's look at this. Shravanam means to listen with attention. Food on table. Uh, mananam means trying to reflect uninterruptedly on what has been heard. Okay, so that's a good thing to do, right? Trying to understand not only the superficial meaning, but deeper meaning. So that's compared to chewing. Nidhina, how did you pronounce it? Nidhinyasanam. Okay. Means deeply meditating on the meaning of what we have heard and reflecting. Um, uh, that's like that compared to digesting. And then shakshat karam is the final phase of this spiritual education where the, contemplate, the contemplated truth becomes the reality or is actualized in a very uh, real sense. And one is face-to-face with reality, so to say, and there is no iota of doubt of what is experience of what one is experiencing which amounts to acquisition of real knowledge so we can understand that that's the platform that Prabhupada is writing from so there's nothing there that the first one was table second one is chewing third one is digesting the fourth one is there's no uh, it, the um, the metaphor gets lost eventually huh is that right Suganda? I guess the last one could be that we are nourished like after okay. the food is digested. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, excellent. Nourished. Very good. Okay, let us uh, continue. Thank you for that. Where did you find that, Sudanda? Um, this is uh, from a lecture that I heard. It's in my notes. Sure. Okay, we're on text 38. Simply because I chanted the holy name of the Lord in the association of devotees, my heart is now becoming purified. Therefore, I shall not fall victim again to the false lures of material sense gratification. Now I have become fixed in the absolute truth. Henceforward, I shall not identify myself with the body. I shall give up false conceptions of I and mine and fix my mind on the lotus feet of Krishna. And the purport Prabhupada writes that how a living entity becomes a victim of the material condition is lucidly explained in this verse. The beginning is to misidentify the body as oneself. The beginning is to misidentify the body as oneself. Therefore, the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, begins with the spiritual instruction that one is not the body, but is within the body. This consciousness can be possible only, so, so you know, we can talk about not being this body, but starting to go to those lower those higher stages that uh, Suganda put in the chat. Um, it's possible only if one chants the holy name of Krishna, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, and always keeps oneself in the association of devotees. This is the secret of success. Therefore, we stress that one should chant the holy name of the Lord and keep oneself free from the contaminations of this material world. So we should, uh, especially the contamination of love, desires for illicit sex, meat eating, intoxication, and gambling. With determination, one should vow to follow these principles and thus be saved from the miserable condition of material existence. The first necessity is to become freed from the bodily conception of concept of life. 
So it's always a work in progress to get free from the bodily concept of life. And as we've said before, Prabhupada writes, I can't remember where, but I know I've read it, that the false ego gradually becomes dissolved by the chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra. We, we get established as Krishna's eternal servants by chanting his name. Next verse. Because of a moment's association with devotees, the Vishnu Dudas, Dudas, Ajamila detached himself from the material conception of life with determination. Thus free from all material attraction, he immediately started for Haripur. And Prabhupada writes, that our Krishna conscious movement ha- now has centers in Vrindavan and Navadvip, so that those who want to live a retired life, whether they be devotees or not, that's interesting, huh? Can go there and with determination give up the bodily concept of life. So, Andy, did you go to Vrindavan or Mayapur? You're muted. Audio again. Yeah, I went to both. Oh, you went to both. Okay. And Vrindavan has the, uh, I think it was Vrindavan. It all kind of melts together. Had the 24-hour uh, kirtan. Well, both Mayapur and Vrindavan does, but Vrindavan has it in the temple room itself. Yeah, Yeah. no, this was Mayapur that I guess that made an impression on me. In the, in the thatched roof? In yeah, the thatched, where the, in the that hut. little uh, place where, I guess, Prabhupada, that was his... That was his place of residence. Well in place, yeah. yeah. They go 24 hours there, and it, it was just so inspirational. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so... Uh, Prabhupada was very, very determined to, um, and at that, to make Vrindavan and Mayapur places for his devotees. And at that time, the guest house in Vrindavan was the only kind of comfortable place. Uh, when I first went to Vrindavan in 1979, you know, that was clearly like, that was the luxury place. Now, of course, there's all kinds of five star, and, you know, places around town. But in those days, Prabhupada's vision was: here's a place devotees could go to and be comfortable enough, and then you know, take advantage of the incredible spiritual atmosphere that is Vrindavan uh, Dam. So yeah, even when I moved there, it really that was the one place, and then slowly. Now, of course, there's skyscrapers and everything. Well, skyscrapers. There's tall buildings, 12, 14-story uh, buildings. Who would, no one, we never would have thought of that. <laughs> they had the one for the, they call the Russian building in Brindraven. Yes. It's, like it's like a sky, I mean, it's a big, big building. Yeah. And it's filled with all these Russian devotees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mayapur hasn't built anything so high. Maybe they can't because of the... Uh, the soil is, um, you know, they're right next to the Ganges. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why, or maybe there's some regulations, but Vrindavan, uh, <laughs> if there are any regulations, nobody's following them, <laughs> or not too many people. But, but the point was that, that Prabhupada was saying, especially if you're not going to be a itinerant preacher, um, then you can, you know, you can retire, live in the Holy Dham, and perfect your life in one place in the first canto. If you remember way back then, he said we can read the Goswami literature, uh, the, the books written by the six Goswamis, and and read them and chant Hare Krishna in the Holy Dham. But but that was one of one of his many gifts that he wanted to make sure that the, that he gave devotees, and that was the uh, welcome mat. 
to visit the Holy Downs, especially Vrindavan and Mayapur. Sometimes he also included Puri in that list. Okay, any thoughts on the Holy Doms? Yes, Prabhu. Um, so uh, I, I do see this Haridwar and then Swiss Badrinath references uh, in across the Bhagavatam where Bharat Maharaj and then like Dhritarashtra uh, and then with, there were so many other people also going to the uh, specific Haridwar or Badrinath places. Mm. Is, is something, uh, any uh, particular leaving and then taking to the heavenly planets or like, you know, um, uh, something like that. So is there is any more significance to that place uh, uh, that uh, going to a Godhead? Uh, and I, I know Prabhupada had written about Mayapur and uh, Vrindavan. Uh, so is there only for elevated devotees? Uh, just is, is Vrindavan only for elevated devotees? Well, um, for followers of Mahaprabhu, these are the uh, these three places, Vrindavan, Mayapur, uh, and uh, Puri, right? Because Lord Chaitanya spent his last years in Puri. He went to Vrindavan. He was born in Mayapur, Navadvi. So those are specifically for Gaudiya Vaishnavas. But Haridwar, you know, more more in the on reverence mode, but it's the Dwar of Hari, right? <laughs> so it's a it's a wonderful place. And and Prabhupada says we um, we do not have a center in Haridwar, but Vrindavan and Sri Dhammayapur. Well, actually, I believe that we do have a center there now. Yes, Prabhu, it's yes. there. Uh, we have uh, well, I don't know the Maharaj who manages Delhi. He basically manages uh, Haridwar. Right, right. And it's also maybe Rishikesh. There may be something there, which is very close by. Rishikesh is just next to Haridwar. Um, yeah. So they're a little bit more uh, associated with Vishnu worship than, than Radha Krishna. And Mahaprabhu, you know, whereas Vrindavan, and even Maya, even uh, Puri, for example, it's an interesting place, right? Because maybe we spoke about this before, but in Puri, you, um, there's like three different experiences in Puri. One is people go there for vacation just to be by the sea, not, nothing spiritual, right? And then secondly, a lot of people go there for, to worship Lord Jagannath and to visit the Jagannath Temple. And then the most intimate one are the followers of Mahaprabhu who go to want to go to Gambira and to Todagopinath Temple um, and these uh, Haridas Thakur Samadhi and the places that are specifically related to Lord Chaitanya. Of course, Jagannath is also very much <laughs> related to Lord Chaitanya. Um, but there's also these other intimate places where most people who go to Puri have, you know, just don't know anything about, right? Siddha Bakul, uh, the tree that Lord, that Haridas Thakur chanted under, and, uh, you know, the Gambira is not like uh, people storming to go there like as they are to the Puri temple, right? which is lucky because otherwise you know, <laughs> we wait too much of a crowd, a Haridas Thakur Samadhi, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's uh, places nearby Puri that are also very sacred because they're connected with Lord Chaitanya. Is that all right? Okay. But just talking about these places makes me wish that I was there. 
Um, I once spent a Kartik Prat in Puri because Vrindavan got too busy during Kartik. <laughs> so, you know, everyone from all over the world went to Vrindavan for Kartik. I went to Puri. <laughs> Uh, it was, that was nice. Um, and living in Vrindavan, um, it's a, a very special opportunity. So Prabhupada compares it sometimes to, uh, like, uh, living on the lap of the Lord. <laughs> and, and although Vrindavan has changed externally, the actual Brindavan um, doesn't change. You know, it's still the holy, holy Dham. Suganda quotes from the Srimad Bhagavatam, 13th chapter, which is one of my favorite chapters there. My Lord, devotees like your good self are verily holy places personified because you carry the personality of Godhead within your heart. You turn all places into places of pilgrimage. This is when the uh, Pandavas, uh, Vidura, uh, returns to, uh, he had, he had, well, as we, in modern parlance, he skipped town during the, uh, uh, he got insulted by Duryodhan and he skipped the, uh, Battle of Kurukshetra. And then when he returned, uh, it was like he brought life back to the Pandavas. They were so happy to see him. And and when they were asking about where did you visit, what holy places did you visit, then Yudhisthira Maharaj says this beautiful verse, that you are like a walking holy place <laughs> because you carry Krishna within your heart. Therefore, you turn all places into places of pilgrimage. And, of course, we, uh, uh, we feel that about Srila Prabhupada. Yeah. And I, I, I think I told you this... Uh, Buri Jamprabhu told me the, uh, you know, he, he was fortunate to have Prabhupada's association in places where there weren't too many other devotees, like in Fiji and, um, uh, China, in Hong Kong, in Japan. And so he, he didn't, he, for the first seven or eight years of his life, he didn't live at a temple, uh, he didn't live near a big temple with deities. You know, they didn't have, they may have had, you know, small deities or something in, in Hong Kong, but not, no, like, regular deity worship like the big temple would have. So in 1976, he visited the Dallas Temple, and he was doing some Pujari service for Radha Kalachanji. And when he got on the altar, he felt this incredible, for those of us who have done deity worship, that, that incredible feeling you get when you go on the altar. And he started remembering, where did I experience this before? And he realized this, it was just like being with Prabhupada. <laughs> Prabhupada was always carrying Radha Kalachandri or Radha Krishna with him. <laughs> like that. So yes, yeah, a beautiful verse. Thank you, Sudana. That's a wonderful verse. It's an amazing chapter, the 13th chapter. It's entitled, Jitarashtra Quits Home. Text 40. In, Har in Hardwar, a Jamila took shelter at a Vishnu temple where he executed the process of bhakti yoga. He controlled his senses and fully applied his mind in the service of the Lord. A Jamila fully, fully engaged, 
fully engaged in devotional service. Thus, he detached his mind from the process of sense gratification and became fully absorbed in thinking of the form of the Lord. Prabhupada talks about deity worship in the purport. If one worships the deity in the temple, one's mind will naturally be absorbed in thought of the Lord and his form. There is no distinction between the form of the Lord and the Lord himself. Therefore, Bhakti Yoga is the most easy system of yoga. Yogis try to concentrate their minds upon the form of the super soul Vishnu within the heart. But this same objective, so the yogis work so hard, sometimes for lifetimes or sometimes for thousands of years in other yugas, um, but the same objective is easily achieved when one's mind is absorbed in the deity worshipped in the temple. So deity worship is highly recommended for the sadhaka, for the uh, devotee practicing sadhana. One time, towards the end of his manifest pastimes here, Prabhupada said the Pujari is the most uh, fortunate person in the universe, the, the person who worships the deity of the Lord. Mm. So especially if one's an advanced devotee, because we also hear that the neophyte, they only see the Lord in the deity form, but don't act respectfully to the devotees of the Lord, who of course are carrying the deity in their heart. So we should find ways, of course, many of you have deities at home. Uh, if you can find some time to do some worship of the main deity in D.C., rather. Madame Mohan, and that's great fortune um, for the set, for the reasons that we're reading here. Some thoughts on deity worship? Okay. When his intelligence and mind were fixed upon the form of the Lord, the Brahmana Ajamila once again saw before him four celestial persons. He could understand that they were those who he had those he had seen previously, and thus he offered them his obeisances by bowing down before them. Upon seeing the Vishnu Dutas, Ajamila gave up his material body at Haridwar on the bank of the Ganges. He regained his original spiritual body, which was a body appropriate for an associate of the Lord. Accompanied by the order carriers of Lord Vishnu, Ajamila boarded an airplane made of gold. Passing through the airways, he went directly to the abode of Lord Vishnu, the husband of the goddess of fortune. Ajamila was a Brahmana who became, who because of bad association had given up all Brahminical culture and religious principles. Becoming most fallen, he stole, drank, and performed other abominable acts. He even kept a prostitute. Thus, he was destined to be carried away to hell by the order carriers of Yamaraj. But he was immediately rescued simply by a glimpse of the chanting of the holy name Narayana. Therefore, one who desires freedom from material bondage should adopt the process of chanting and glorifying the name, form, fame, form, and pastimes of the Supreme Personality of God at whose feet all the holy places stand. One cannot derive the proper benefit from other methods such as pious atonement, all these Vedic, you know, ritualistic things, pious atonement, speculative knowledge, can and meditation in mystic yoga, so karma, neither by karma, gyan, or yoga. 
Because even after following such methods, one takes the fruit of activities again, unable to control his mind, which is contaminated by the base qualities of nature, namely passion and ignorance. Because this very confidential historical narrative has the potency to vanquish all sinful reactions, one who hears or describes it with faith and devotion is no longer doomed to hellish life, regardless of his having a material body and regardless of how sinful he may have been. Indeed, the Yamadutas who carry out the orders of Yamaraj do not approach him even to see him. <laughs> After giving up his body, he returns home back to Godhead, where he is very respectfully received and worshipped. While suffering at the time of death, Ajamila chanted the holy name of the Lord, and although the chanting was directed towards his son, he nevertheless returned home back to Godhead. Therefore, if one faithfully and inoffensively chants, the holy names, the holy name of the Lord. Where is the doubt that he will return to Godhead? So there's some real, 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 real uh, inspirational and encouraging words at the end of that amazing chapter. But it's incumbent upon us to try to, to chant uh, without offense. And that's the negative and the positive is to chant with some real uh, attraction, attachment, ultimately love, but at least attentiveness, at least hearing the mantra. That, that's a good start, a very good start, because the mantra is not different from Krishna. So some thoughts uh, there. I, read a, I know I read a lot of verses there at the end, that chapter. So he went to Haridwar. He so he didn't he didn't die yet. I mean, at first, right? He he was saved by the Vishudutas, and he just took off for Haridwar. And there he took shelter of a temple, deities of the temple, and perform and and just said, "Okay, you know, I'm going to be so determined now." Yes. Some thoughts? No? Okay. Then let us begin chapter 3. And we're going up to verse 5. Let me just see if there's where my notes are. Okay. King Frikshit said, Oh my Lord, O Sukadev Goswami, Yamaraj is the controller of all living entities in terms of their religious and irreligious activities. But his order had been foiled. When his servants, excuse me, the Yamadutas informed him of their defeat by the Vishnudutas, who had stopped them from arresting Ajamila, what did he reply? So, you know, Fritjan Maharaj figured, yeah, of course they must have gone to their master. Right. Oh, great sage, never, so never, can you imagine that? Never before has it been heard anywhere. <clears throat> that an order from Yamaraj has been baffled. Therefore, I think that people, that people will have doubts about this, that no one uh, but you can eradicate. Since that is my firm conviction, kindly explain the reasons for this event, these events. So Gideon Goswami replied, My dear king, when the order carriers of Yamaraj were baffled and defeated by the order carriers of Vishnu, 
They approached their master, the controller of Samyamani Puri, and master of sinful persons, to tell him of this incident. And Yamara, the Yamadutta said, um, Our dear Lord, how many controllers or rulers are there in this material world? How many causes are responsible for man manifesting the various results of activities performed under the three modes of material nature? If, this, if in this universe there are many rulers and justices who disagree about punishment and reward, their contradictory actions will neutralize each other and no one will be punished or rewarded. Otherwise, if their contradictory acts fail to neutralize each other, everyone will have to be both punished and rewarded. What's going on? So first, Baba talks a little bit of all he says. According to our experience, about halfway down, in the material world, a person punished in one court may appeal to another, right? And I know, you know, having worked in the court system, I know in India a little bit of that it's, um, it's, uh, it can even sometimes be an ego thing that the higher court will just, just to kind of keep the lower court, <laughs> uh, uh, like, you know, just cool, cool it, butcha, you know, they'll, they'll, ch they'll change their ruling. <laughs> Thus, the same man may be either punished or rewarded according to different judgments. And we understand that, right? Just like that verse, Tarko pratishta shuta yashav, yashav yashir yasham matam nabinam, that you can't be a rishi unless you have a different opinion than another rishi. <laughs> but Prabhupada writes, however, in the law of nature or the court of the supreme personality of God, there cannot be such contradictory judgments. So, yeah, so, you know, things can be appealed. Um, either decision itself, it's usually because uh, some more information has come about, has come to people's attention, or procedurally, there was some procedure uh, problem in the district court, if we're using, you know, the Indian example, district, high court, and supreme court. Um, those are the two main reasons that are given when there, when, when, um, the appeal is successful. Mm. But Yamaraj is supposed to be different. He's not supposed to need more information. He's not supposed to, uh, do any procedural errors. And therefore, as empowered, because he's empowered by the Supreme Personality of God, he's one of the Mahajans, as we'll find out soon. Uh, there's not, there's no, you know, it's supposed to be, it says here that the judges and their judgments would be, must be perfect and free from contradictions. Actually, the prediction of Yamaraj, position of Yamaraj was very awkward in this case, uh, of Ajamila, because the Yamadudas were right in attempting to arrest Ajamila, but the Vishnadudas had baffled them. So, it's just, it, it's, yeah, Yamaraj is not, you know, this is, as, as, as Prichit Maharaj said, this is the first time we've ever heard of this, of the Yamadudas being baffled. It, you know, it seems like impossible, right? <laughs> it seems impossible. And, 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 and you could even say that, you know, so if we read this translation again, if in this universe there are many rulers and justices who disagree about punishment and reward, their contradictory actions will neutralize each other, and no one will be punished or rewarded. 
So you could, someone could also say that this is a bit of an overreaction by the Yama Dudas because it's only happened once, right? One time. And now here they're saying, but no one will be punished or rewarded. What's going on? Oh my God. No, I guess because it was so, it, was, it never happened. So they were so sure of themselves that at the same time, it's, you know, one could say reading this that it seems like an overreaction. And they say, yeah, they also give a very um, extreme theoretical statement. Otherwise, if their contradictory acts fail to neutralize each other, everyone will have to be both punished and rewarded. And of course, that's not the case. Not, not everyone. This was a rare case where someone was super simple and they chanted Narayan at the time of death. So it's not like the whole system was being changed. Um, now, and, and, and yeah, so, you know, in a, in a regular court of law, it's kind of a guessing game. And we even know that the game, the, it's less guessing if you're rich. Because <laughs> you can either pay for, like, a really top lawyer who everyone else is afraid of, or you can bribe in some countries. Um, but otherwise, it's, it's, it is a guessing game because there's not this absolute all-knowing person like Yamaraj. So the next uh, sentence is also important. Although uh, Yamaraj, under these circumstances, was accused by both the Vishnu Dudas and the Yamadudas, he is perfect in administrating justice because he is empowered by the Lord. Therefore, he will explain, so now he'll explain um, about, about Krishna. Um, So there's a lot here. Um, Yamaraj was getting it from both sides, right? The Prabhupada writes that we just we just read that that uh, he was accused by both the Vishnu Dudas and the Yama Dudas. And I thought this was also interesting. Maybe maybe I'll just see if there's any questions or comments on what I have talked about because I'm going to talk about this next point at some length. Any questions or comments on? Hare Krishna Prabhu, this is So again, you said that it, this is the only first time, but like first time is a big deal. Mm. And I have had this experience, children, you know, as a soccer coach, when they were constantly on a series of wins and suddenly they had a draw state, <laughs> you know, they, they had a draw. It was a big deal. Yes. <laughs> so this is like not just a draw, it was a defeat and they never... <laughs> Seen that it was completely overturning them, and Srila Prabhupada even writes that they were at the moment of as if ready to commit suicide. Yeah, he does say that. Had yeah. that feeling. So you can imagine how that defeat was, you know, taken by the Yam Dutas. Yeah, thank you for that. Yes, yeah. Okay, so I, I wanted to talk, touch upon that, and I thought about touching upon this point. So. First of all, Yamaraj, so what do you do? What do we do? How should we react when we're getting criticized? It says where he's getting, he was getting questioned or criticized by both the Vishnu Dudas and the Yama Dudas. So the first thing is it seems like he really kept his cool, right? And that's, I think, something that we, sh we can learn not, not to overreact to negative feedback or criticism. And, and then he, you know, he understood clearly why people were accept, uh, upset, you know, why the Yamadudas the in particular were upset. Um, and so understanding 
feedback clearly is super important. And then he, you know, giving proper, you know, in a, in a cool-headed way, he gave proper information. He, he started setting the record straight. In, in text 12, he's going to say, um, my dear servants, you have accepted me as the supreme, but actually I am not above me, above all the other demigods, including Indra Chandra, is the one supreme master and controller. The entire world is controlled by him, just as a bull is controlled by a rope in its nose. So he, he set the record straight. And then he also, uh, he stated his jurisdiction, you know, what, what he's responsible for, what he's not responsible for. And that was in text 26 of this chapter. He says, considering all these points, therefore, intelligent men decide to solve all problems by adopting the devotional service of the chanting of the holy name of the Lord, who is situated in everyone's heart, and it was a, a mine of all auspicious qualities. So he's telling the Yamadutas, such persons are not within my jurisdiction for punishment. I can't, I can't touch them. Generally, they will, they never commit sinful activities, but even if by mistake or because of bewilderment or illusion, they sometimes commit sinful acts, they are protected from sinful reactions because they always chant the Hare Krishna mantra. So, um, he, he did that. And not only that, but, and this is even harder when we're being criticized or being questioned. He showed affection for his critics. Right? He tells the Yamadudas, my dear servants who are as good as my sons, just see how glorious the chanting of the holy name of the Lord is. But just saying that my, his, the servants have been kind of critical. And he said, you are like, you are my good sons. You're as good as my sons. And then, and this is one of the most important things about getting feedback, is he corrected himself. He, he, he said, then Yamaraj, considering himself, this is text 30, uh, considering himself and his servants to be offenders, he spoke as follows, begging pardon from the Lord. So he, he, he corrected his offenses by begging pardon. Oh, my Lord, my servants have surely committed a great offense arresting a Vaishnava such as Ajamila. Oh, Narayan, oh, Supreme, and please forgive me. Because of our ignorance, we fail to recognize Ajamila as a servant of your Lordship. And thus, we have certainly committed a great offense. Therefore, with folded hands, we beg your pardon. Oh, Lord, since you are supremely merciful and always full of good qualities, please pardon us. We offer our respectful obeisances unto you. So isn't that beautiful? You know, I just thought that in this chapter, Yamaraj shows this great Vaishnava qualities, um, even though he was being criticized by both the Vishnu Dudas and the Yamadudas. You know, he could have just said, hey, give me a break. This is the first mistake we've ever made. You know, relax. But he didn't do that. He, he, he took responsibility. He corrected it. He, he, he showed affection to his critics. He, he, he stated clearly what he's supposed to do now. From now on, he learned his lesson and he said, people like Ajamila, they are not in my jurisdiction. Right? And he, you know, and he, and he gave some power, you know, some meaningful information about who is supreme. So some thoughts on this. How to accept criticism? We, we, 
my point is I think we can apply this in our own lives as well and learn from Ajamila. Hare Krishna Prabhu. So again, very Vaishnava-like character. Otherwise, in today's time, managers look at their secretary and say, Oh, Chitragupt, <laughs> you are the one responsible. You told me that he has committed sins, but he didn't do that. He really took the responsibility on himself. Very, very good. Happy. Very good. Yes. For those who don't know, Chitragupta is uh, Yamaraj's uh, 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 runs his database, right? <laughs> so to speak. Uh, Sudanda writes from the 13th chapter of the, I mean, she, she copies from the 13th chapter. Humility means one should not be anxious to have the satisfaction of being honored by others. Yes. Yes. That's part of it. That's part of it in uh, being explained in that report. Now, uh, another thing while you're thinking, if you want to make some other comments, um, this works if we are sincere. This, uh, correct, this, uh, repenting for mistakes that are made and then trying to correct them or not making the same mistake again. And, and, and uh, it happened many, 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 many times with Srila Prabhupada. He, he showed so much gratitude for someone who surrendered and gave his or her everything to, to serve Prabhupada and to serve Lord Chaitanya's mission. So even if they had, they made some mistakes, they did some fall down, this or that, Prabhupada always showed them incredible compassion, incredible tolerance, incredible, uh, willingness to, uh, work with them again, uh, even sometimes reinstating them in, 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 in some of the highest positions in the society. He, he, he had great gratitude, especially if they approached him in the kind of mood that Yamaraj is stating here that really wins the heart of Vaishnavas to say, okay, I really blew it. I'm so sorry. And then making amends after that. Yeah. So some thoughts on anything we discussed here? Uh, also, like Yamaraj was only doing his duty as a service to the Supreme Lord according to the directions of the Supreme Lord. So he was situated in a correct place. So he did not take it personally because of that. Okay, while carrying out the duties, there might have been some discrepancies. I will take responsibility for that. But at the same time, I'm trying to just act on the direction of the Supreme Lord. And the Supreme Lord can come and uh, uh, overrule my directives at any time. He was not considering himself to be the supreme personality. The Yamadutas were considering Yamaraj to be like that because they did not have much information beyond Yamaraj. Correct. And I would add to that, that um, when we act, we are representing our spiritual master. We're representing Prabhupada. We're representing Krishna consciousness. And, and that's one of the main reasons to be so careful in our behavior. To represent means to present again. So we're presenting again on behalf of, uh, so people will, um, just like in this case, people found, found fault with Yamaraj when the Yamadudas made the mistake. 
So people will think this or that of our spiritual master or of Srila Prabhupada or of Iskand, you know, uh, depending on how we behave. You know, people will say, oh, so-and-so Maharaj, you have such well-behaved disciples. They're so well-trained, they're so kind. Or, you know, Maharaj, what did you, do you ever talk to your disciples? They seem to be like totally off the wall. <laughs> right? So yes, we, 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 that's, that's a added burden that we have, a burden of love that we have. So, Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, actually. So basically, is this an exceptional situation or like what Emaraj is saying, this is how it should be? Um, Basically, uh, I, I particularly feel the Yamadutas may be in an ignorant situation. They're really not aware of the whole uh, law uh, or like really not aware of the Supreme Law. And, uh, and uh, you know, um, but, and Mayamraj is uh, familiar with explaining the whole thing. Uh, so they, they, they got the knowledge. Yeah. Still, like, um, I, uh, my confusion was, is it something an exceptional situation, or Evaraj is saying that this is how it should be? Well, exceptional. I think better than you know. Exceptional means rare, but we. What if we said it's an exception to the general rule? And now maybe with ISKCON, it's uh, being you know spread, and so many devotees who are going to leave this world one day. All of us will. Then maybe it's an except. It, it, maybe it's not so exceptional because uh, many of us, you know, there's so many more. There's so many devotees on the planet right now by Prabhupada's mercy. Um, but this is the exception. But it's 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 also kind of understandable on one hand that the Yamadutas, I guess they hadn't dealt with that person who was very sinful, and at the end of the very end of their life, chanted Krishna's names. Um, right, uh, you know, just like Manusinam Sahasreshu Kaschiditati Siddhaye Kasya, gosh, how come I not remember the third line? What's the third line? Manusinam Sahasreshu Kaschiditati Siddhaye What's the third line? Yatatam Api Siddhanam Kasya Mamveti Tattataha Did I get that right? Yes, yeah? Okay so out of many, so that, that verse is basically saying there's so many people and some of them, uh, aim for perfection. And even of those who achieved a bit, meaning, you know, some kind of mukti, uh, very few know me in truth. So it is, it is exceptional, not according to the Gita, um, but it's, it should now be a standard exception. The, potency of the holy name but not that we try to like imitate Ajamila just go do all kinds of stuff and then just have a child when we're 80 years old thank you and I have one more one more yes so uh, based upon our karma we take another birth right Uh, yeah we took a a birth as a deer and and based upon the sins that like most of the religions say that like we take heavenly planets or we can go to uh, the hellish planets. Um, and uh, in Yamadutas in case that like whoever is sinful like, like Ajamila is supposed to go to uh, uh, the hellish planet for all the sufferings. It has been briefly explained what type of sufferings will happen. 
so they do get an another birth or like basically uh, or like uh, if you just be a devotee you are for sure you will take an another birth without go to hell uh, or my conception was even if you do misdeeds you take a birth like in a lower uh, planetary system or like you know something uh, in lower planetary system you get a birth and you suffer there so um, this is a spectrum of thing and uh, in, in this spectrum like who goes to hellish planets and suffer uh, is it something they take a birth and suffer or do you, do you have any thoughts on that prabhuji uh I can't remember my last trip to hellish planets. I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> but um, there are, uh, I've heard different things, but I won't repeat them because I don't, it's been a while. Um, but f for a devotee, the, the devotee tries to develop the devotional mood. Narayana Prasarve Nakutastra Nibiriti. You don't have to look that one up, Suganda. That one I remember. <laughs> um, that they, the devotee just doesn't think about going to heaven, going to hell, whatever, um, as long as I can remember Krishna. So that's, that's the mood that we want to try to adopt. Now we know from Bhagavad Gita, the first 40 in the second chapter, Nehavi Kramana Sosti Pratyavayo Nevetite. That we get triate delivered from the greatest high and the greatest fear by uh, even a small amount of Krishna consciousness, or, or in this case, Buddha yoga. So we won't, devotees won't become animals in their next life. And because they've done devotional service, they're, you know, they can either uh, that they can either take birth uh, if they don't become perfect. The yogi, in the Bhagavad Gita is said to either you know take birth in a well-to-do family or family of Brahmins, suchi or suchinam shimatam, wealthy. Um, and if they if they've done made a lot of advancement, then they all still take a uh, birth in the family of devotees. So, but our mood is to focus on the general mood that we try to cultivate, is not think so much about our destination, not think, oh my God, I did so many sins, I have to perform some prayaschit or this that. It's to focus on developing our love for Krishna and leave the rest to him. He'll take care of us as he wishes to, to do. So that's kind of the focus, but we, so, so, you know, it, we can talk about it, the great destiny that, you know, even a little devotional service or Prabhupada would say, if you've done 5%, you start with 6% in your next life, right? Like that. So that's another way to look at it. But our main focus is not to kind of calculate, okay, let's see what kind of birth am I going to get? And if I, what else do I have to do? No, it's, it's more like, let me follow the process of bhakti and, Leave, leave it up to Krishna. Krishna, whatever. Narayana Prasad, Nekutasadimit. Swarga, Pavarga, Narakeshu. Heaven, hell, whatever. That's, that's your business. I'm trying to be your devotee. What happens to me? Eh. Ram, Ram. I mean, that's, that's a, 
that's the path that we're trying to develop. Is that right, Shakshi Thank you, Prabhu. I have one more following thing, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, I was I was having a discussion, similar discussion with another neophyte. He was asking that when the soul leaves the body, uh, you said the super soul will accompany in the body. So uh, is the uh, super soul accompany this uh, soul when leaves the body? So I, I really not sure what to say at that point. Yes, yeah, of course, the super soul doesn't leave. And also you... You have, an, you have some more luggage also. You have your mind, intelligence, and false ego, the subtle body. Yeah, I remember um, that, but I really don't know the super soul also. Yeah, super soul, definitely. He, he, why would he leave? Why would he leave at death? He's, he's, he's followed you all throughout your whole life, and yet when you were a baby in diapers, and when you were an old man in diapers, <laughs> and everything in between, why should he leave <laughs> at the time of death? Thank you, Anything else? Okay, we have a few more minutes. Let us continue then. We're on text number six. The Yamadudas continue. We're going up to 12, I believe. Since there are many different karmis or workers, there may be different judges or rulers to give them justice. But just as one central emperor controls different departmental rulers, there must be one supreme controller to guide all the judges. The supreme judge must be one, not many. It was our understanding that you are the supreme judge and that you have jurisdiction, even over the demigods. <clears throat> our impression was that you <coughs> excuse me, are the master of all living entities, the supreme authority who discriminates between the pious and impious activities of all human beings. But now we see that the punishment ordained under your authority is no longer effective. Again, you know, like no longer effective, but one time, but as Jiva Tata Prabhu points out, that can be a very powerful experience. Since your order has been transgressed by four wonderful and perfect persons, we were bringing this, the most sinful Ajamila toward the hellish planets following your order when those beautiful persons from Siddha Loka forcibly cut the knots of the ropes with which we were arresting him. As soon as the sinful Ajamila uttered the name Narayan, these four beautiful men immediately arrived and reassured him, saying, Do not fear, do not fear. We wish to know about them from your lordship. If you think we are able to understand them, kindly describe who they are. And this was the point someone said earlier, that they were even ready to commit suicide. I think that was Jiva Tafa. The order carriers of Yamarsh in the purport, uh, being very much aggrieved because of their defeat by the four Vishnu Judas, wanted to bring them before Yamaraj and, if possible, punish them. Otherwise, they desired to commit suicide. Before pursuing either course, however, they wanted to know about the Vishnu Judas from Yamaraj, who is also omniscient. So, this is this is a good this is a good example actually. Before doing, you know, we can learn from our own life. Before doing something drastic. Or, or based on emotions, we could try to think clearly, cool down the emotions, go into the mode of goodness, right? So before they did that, they wanted to get some more information, right? So they were all worked up, but they were smart enough to ask questions and to wait for Yamaraj's answers. Okay, so that's a good, I think it's a good lesson for us. We may not, you know, be thinking of suicide or anything as extreme as that, but we can get worked up about things and often we're making assumptions and often we're 
acting or thinking in ways not based on having the full picture. So why not get the full picture first and then still see if our emotions are valid? So that's what the Yamadudas did here. Very intelligent of them to do that. Any thoughts on that? I also was appreciating the Yamadutas that they immediately went to their master to get their doubts clarified instead of just keeping the doubts to themselves and just uh, remembering it, thinking about it over and over and again and increasing their misery. They just directly went to their master and say, oh, this is what happened and I'm conf we are confused. So please enlighten us. Right. Very good. Very well said. Yes. Yeah, they, they did the right thing. I have one pretty um, logical question for you. Yes, Pooh. They also met uh, the, um, the Vishnu Dutas. Um, so Ajamila got uh, a great uh, a devotee association and he's going for a liberation. And, uh, you know, how come uh, the Yamadutas didn't get any? They, got, they, have, they have Yamaraj's association. We're going to read in, uh, uh, I can't remember the verse now, but soon we're going to read that he's one of the Mahajans. <laughs> he's one of the 12 authorities of Krishna consciousness. So they have a, he's a pure devotee. Um, yeah, here it is. Text 21 and 20, 20 and 21. Swayambur, uh, Swayambur Narada Shambhu, Kumara Kapilo Manu, Pralada Janako Bhishmo, Balir Vyasakir Vayam. And so, um, uh, so where, which word is him? So, Swayambhu, Lord Brahma, Narada, Narada, Sambhu, Lord Shiva, Four Kumaras, Kapila. Vayam. Vayam, thank you, yeah, okay. So, so yes, so they have his association. <laughs> and they got the uh, Vishnudu's association for a short time. Vayam actually indicates we all. We all, okay, yeah. so got it. So that, that includes him then. That includes him. Yeah, very good. So in text 11, Sukadeva Goswami says, Thus having been questioned, Lord Yamaraj, the supreme controller of, of the living entities, was very pleased. And why was he pleased? With his order carriers because of hearing them, from them, the holy name of Narayan. He remembered the lotus feet of the Lord and began to reply. Prabhupada writes, Yamaraj has to deal with men who are all sinful and who can hardly understand Narayan. Consequently, when his order carriers uttered the name of Narayan, he was extremely pleased, for he is also a Vaishnava. So there's the answer to your question, Shakshu Gopapu. He is also a Vaishnava. Thank you. So why don't we start next week with Yamara, Yama, Yama Uvacha, instead of trying to squeeze one more in in three minutes. But uh, It was very wonderful, Prabhu. Yamara just uh, um, explaining about Supreme Lord. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is very wonderful hearing from Yamaraj himself. That's what we'll be doing uh, next week. So, anything? Any last questions or comments in the last two minutes? Yeah, Yamaraj is like the Attorney General. Yeah, he's like the he's very high among cabinet officials. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's like the Attorney General. Yeah. Yeah. He's also the Inspector General. <laughs> I touched on 
What's that? He is a Dharma Raj. He is a Dharma. He is the um, authority of Dharma, also, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, Ananda Rupi, you want to say something? Prabhu, I was saying right now, World Holy Name Week is going on. It is such a nice coincidence. We are yeah, reading yes. about glories of the holy names. Uh, what better uh, way to uh, you know glorify this period and especially Pushota month? Very nice. Yeah, that's right. We're Pushota month, and I think uh, uh, Raghunandan uh, uh Rohan Swami is coming to DC soon. Yes, yeah, uh, in the first week of October. Very, very good. Okay, so we will see y'all next week. Um, And I hope you have a wonderful Krishna conscious quarantined week. (laughs) Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna. Thank you, Prabhupada. Hare Krishna.